Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Or Cutlow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Cutlow. I'm Charles Payne, and for Larry Cutlow, new in the last hour, Donald Trump has been ordered to pay more than $350 million in the New York civil fraud case against him and his family business. The judge is also suspending the former president and his sons from doing business in New York, also restricting their right to take out bank loans. Trump's attorney, Elena Haba, slammed the decision and says uh, Trump plans to appeal. Lydia Hughes, she's got more details for us right now. Lydia. Yeah, hey there, Charles. Former President Donald Trump and his real estate empire hit with that massive $364 million judgment. The former president, Donald Trump, personally responsible for $354.9 million of that. He's also been barred, as you point out, from running any business in the state for three years. Trump, his two oldest sons, business associates and companies, were accused of inflating the value of their assets to get a better term on loans. Those assets include properties like his personal residence at Trump Tower, the old post office on Wall Street, and his property down in Florida, Mar-a-Lago. Now, Trump's attorney said in a statement this, quote, The court today ignored the law, ignored the facts, and simply signed off on the attorney general's manifestly unjust political crusade against the front-running candidate for president of the United States. Now, Donald Trump's sons, Eric and uh, Don Jr., are also receiving penalties themselves, $4 million for each of them. They're also banned from doing business in the state of New York for two years. Now, let's remember this is a civil lawsuit filed by New York Attorney General Letitia James. It was decided by a judge, Arthur Engron, no jury. And while that judgment, no doubt, is sizable, more than $350 million, note, though, that James was seeking a lifetime ban on Trump's ability to do business in the state of New York. She came up short on that, getting a three-year ban. But we do expect to hear more from Letitia James at around 6 p.m., Charles. So we'll keep an eye on that and send it back to you in the meantime. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Lydia Hugh. And with that, let's bring in our panel, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, and Pam Bondi, former Florida attorney general, also co-chair of the America First Policy Institute Center for Law and Justice. I think we've got to begin with law and justice, Pam. Uh, did, we, did we get that today? Of course we didn't, Charles. Um, this is unprecedented. New York has never brought a case like this ever in the history of New York that anyone can find. Yet they go after Donald Trump when crime in New York as, is at an all-time high. Letitia James should be out there fighting crime, and instead she went after Donald Trump and his family. You know, Greg, I mean, listen, uh, as a layperson, uh, first and foremost, this was already, the judge had already determined the verdict before the trial, so-called trial, 
Uh, and the, I guess the testimony, we do have a 90-page, 92-page uh, ruling, was to, to determine the outcome or the, the, the number that we got today. Again, looking at it from the outside in, it just it feels pretty awkward. I, I, I couldn't follow it day by day, but the notion that Deutsche Bank had the wool pulled over their eyes and some of the most sophisticated banks out there were somehow fooled <laughs> by President Trump, former President Trump, it just seems far-fetched. Oh, it is. I mean, I think this case, Charles, you're right, was always legally unsound. Letitia James ran on the campaign promise to get Trump before she had access to files or evidence. And then when she took office and found no wrongdoing, what did she do? She dusts off this oddball consumer protection statute, contorts the facts, and suddenly claims fraud, even though at trial it was shown that Nobody was defrauded and no consumers were harmed. In fact, the lending banks were more than happy to give Trump the money. They made enormous profits. Trump isn't the one who inflated the value of assets. No, he hired what business people do, outside real estate experts, respected accountants, top lawyers. They arrived at independent estimates and the banks they did their own due diligence. What did they find? That Trump had more than enough to secure the loans. So this judgment also completely undermines established common law, which requires proof of intent to deceive. There was none. And Gore on the judge and the attorney general simply tossed that out the window. And they also violated the Constitution, penalizing incorrect commercial speech, which the First Amendment Protects. You know, I, I think the bias of judging Gorong was on full display every day, arrogant, smug, hostile, self-righteous. And I think he was obtuse when it comes to the law. I do not see this judgment against Trump surviving judicial scrutiny on appeal. Yeah, he certainly was lapping up the limelight for sure. Pam, I'm going to uh, uh, ask you because Greg brought up some of the things that are mentioned here in the summary. And one that caught my attention was. The line that says lenders required personal guarantees from Donald Trump, which were based on statements of financial conditions that were compiled by accountants that Donald Trump engaged. Again, so Donald Trump hired accountants. They went through his, his financials. They put a stamp of approval on it. Then they gave it to banks who did their own due diligence. And here we are, $350 million. Or, uh, you know, I, again, it just, I'm not sure how we, get, how we got to this point. Charles, we don't. And, and when the banks do their own valuation, even if you tried to say his accountants couldn't be objective, there's no way they get to that number. Not even close. And Mar-a-Lago, of course, is valued at way more than $18 million. That's a joke. Everything they did is ridiculous. It will 100% be reversed. They all know it's going to be reversed. All they have is a short-term goal of getting Donald Trump. They're trying to bankrupt him. They're trying to ruin him. They're trying to ruin his sons and his business in New York. And the only reason they didn't do the lifetime ban, which they wanted to do, is they're trying to act like they're reasonable. And they are not. And it will be reversed on appeal. But they don't care. Now, so, Greg, we're, we're, walk us through that appeal process. Uh, when does it begin? How long does it normally take? Obviously, it would be a lot longer until the elections will be, have come and gone by then. Well, I mean, Trump knew where sure. this was going. Sure. Uh, for goodness sakes, you know, the judge ruled uh, he committed fraud before there was even a trial. And then, of course, 
you know, sort of backfire because the banks took the stand and say, said we weren't defrauded. He was a whale. We wanted to do more business. We made so much money from him. So, But they could see where Ngoran was going. So they have been working diligently for weeks, if not months, on their appeals. Right. So it'll be a file, filed first with the appellate court above, uh, and then eventually uh, perhaps the New York uh, highest court, which is actually not called the Supreme Court. It's a little different here. Um, but and look, uh, most of the judges and justices are not, you know, Republicans or conservatives. So it's going to be tough going. In the end, you can always try to appeal uh, federally as well on constitutional grounds that I cited in my first remarks here. Sure. So, you know, this is going to be a very long process. In the meantime, you know, uh, there are going to be a stay of some of this. He'll have to post a bond for the for the judgment, uh, a portion of it. But it's going to be a long appellate process. In this long process, Pam, and, and taking all the legal issues uh, together, uh, many are saying now the law is simply being used as a weapon, a political weapon uh, against the former president. It's, explain to the audience just just how egregious this might be. Well, Charles, it is. And, and remember, when Letitia James ran for attorney general multiple times, she campaigned on getting Donald Trump. There are vi there's video after video after video of her out there campaigning on saying she was going to put him out of business. So to have the highest law state law enforcement officer in New York do that should really frighten everyone. Every business in New York should be very fearful right now because if they're going after Donald Trump, they can go after anyone. You know, and that should scare everyone. It's a two-tiered system of justice. The first thing I thought about is how many business books may have to be rewritten or edited <laughs> because, you know, the art of the deal. I mean, this is, I, you know, you become a billionaire in this country and uh, you know, it's like you could go back and relitigate uh, how someone became extraordinarily successful, had coattails, brought thousands of people along for the ride, improved their lives, improved the city. Uh, listen, I, I don't know that you even want to talk about how, how successful you've been. But I want to uh, stick with you on this, Pam, because today was supposed to be the second day of testimony down in Georgia for, for um, of course, with Fulton State County District, uh, uh, District Attorney Fannie Willis. I, that was that was that was so riveting yesterday. Now, from a legal perspective, I'm going to get to legal perspective. But from a non-legal perspective, I think the reality TV show should air immediately. But, Pam, what do you make of it? Because we saw the personal vitriol that a lot of folks say are running through all of these legal cases. We sure did. And yeah, from a non-legal perspective, it was it was great TV because the American people got to see her firsthand in action. Her demeanor, her, her she was vicious. She yelled at the defense attorneys. She thought she was the judge and the prosecutor. And, and she got away with a lot of it. But that's OK. She had a lot of rope. And I think it hurt her in the end. I know it hurt her in the end. Look at her demeanor up there while she's talking. She pointed at people. She waved papers around. Everyone sees her bias. All these cases are going hand in hand in hand around the country. And the common theme is the prosecutors hate Donald Trump. Greg? Yeah, Fannie Willis uh, proved that lawyers make lousy witnesses. <laughs> uh, you know, her lover, Nathan Wade, uh, his testimony was such a train wreck that she really sprinted to the witness stand to try to fix it. 
And then she has this meltdown, a tantrum of belligerent rants. She even yelled at the judge, for God's sakes, who, you know, banged his gavel and called a recess and had to scold her. Uh, but, you know, here's the important point. Wade and Willis both admitted their sexual affair, even though they claim, oh, well, it didn't begin until after he was hired, not before. It doesn't make a particle of difference. The affair itself, Charles, regardless of when it started, is a severe conflict of interest, an obvious impropriety, and a violation of the canons of ethics. That merits disqualification. Whether the judge will see it that way, I mean, that's hard to tell. If he doesn't disqualify right. Willis, that doesn't end it. It can be appealed. That only delays any future trial. Greg, I hear, I hear you on the, on the relationship part, but I think also people are wondering the, the use of taxpayer money. Uh, and, of course, that's where you saw yeah. uh, both saying, hey, listen, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 everything that was, was reimbursed in cash, there's no paper trail, there's no, there are no receipts. And I, the, for, right. from, the, from the judge's perspective, how does a judge take that uh, because you have to say, okay, everything, including $2,500 here, 300 there, whatever it was, all these vacations, all of these trips, all of these interludes were paid with a credit card, but they were always reimbursed. Uh, how likely is it that the judge is going to buy that? Well, I didn't think it passed the smell test. I don't think any sentient person uh, was buying the cash explanation, except maybe Senator Bob Menendez, who prefers both cash and gold <laughs> bars. Uh, you know, Willis's misconduct has damaged her own case. Yeah. The public's perception has ruined her credibility. And the jury, I guarantee you, Charles, will know that this case is now tainted. Yeah, and Pam, I mean, and the, not just the jury, but I think, and listen, I, I, I read a lot of liberal publications uh, over the last 24 hours and, uh, for the most part, they're fuming. They're really upset uh, that she went out there and, pu and pulled this stunt. And, you know, the idea is that <laughs> you know, maybe she was watching this, got upset, threw on the dress, because now, of course, we all know it was on backwards, and, mm -hmm. and went out there out of pure emotions. <laughs> and, and it, again, it makes it feel like this has all been personal uh, against President Trump. Yeah, it was, Charles. And, and legally, here's what's going to happen. I think Nathan Wade has a very good chance of getting disbarred if they can prove he had answered interrogatories under oath, and then he came in and testified under oath. That's potential perjury, given his two different statements, right. both under oath. And I think Fannie Willis is in big trouble with the bar, and I don't think these defense attorneys are finished. I think they're going to get bank records, they're going to get phone records, and she's going to be in big trouble, because this was thousands and thousands of dollars that she said she reimbursed him in cash, and there is no way, no way that they're not going to be able to prove, that they're going to be able to prove it's not true, she didn't do it, and she's probably going to lose her job over wow. this. Uh, Greg Jarrett, Pam Bonney, thank you both very much. All right, folks, coming up, Bidenflation roaring back to life in a big way. We saw producer prices today up huge after that CPI report on Tuesday was also up huge. Steve Forbes will join me here in set to break it all down when Cutlow returns. Stay with us. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest 
Home Services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, so the Biden White House is touting hundreds of billions in student loan relief. But who's going to pay for all of it? And how much will it really cost the taxpayer? Well, our own, very own Grady Trimble is live at the White House with more. Grady. Hey, Charles, after the Supreme Court struck down President Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan, the White House has been looking for other avenues to cancel debt. And one of those avenues it announced this week would forgive debt for borrowers that the White House deems are experiencing financial hardship or otherwise wouldn't be able to pay off their debts. The proposal doesn't specify exactly who or how many Americans would qualify, but look at some of the factors they're considering. Household income, total debt balance, history of loan repayment, and whether a borrower has received a Pell Grant in the past. He wants to make sure that we give Americans a little bit more breathing room. That is important to this president. We understand what student loans do for families. It crushes families. It crushes Americans. It is an issue that Americans care about, and we're just not going to stop moving forward on them. The White House insists this Plan B would hold up in court, unlike its last attempt to cancel student loan debt. The conservative Job Creators Network challenged the administration's original attempt and says this about the new one. President Biden's lawless actions make a mockery of the separation of powers and set a dangerous precedent that consolidates more power in the executive branch. Goes on to say college students themselves are the biggest losers of Biden's college debt forgiveness workarounds because colleges are given a blank check to continue overcharging and saddling them with debt. Now, this latest proposal is just one piece of the Biden administration's overall plan B to cancel student loan debt. Another part of that plan, an income-driven repayment program, according to the Congressional Budget Office, would cost $100 billion. And you asked who's paying for it. That, of course, would be the taxpayers. Charles? Paging the Supreme Court. Grady <laughs> Trimble, thank you very much. All right, folks, switching gears. Producer prices coming in hotter than expected in January. Inflation remains front and center, a major concern for Americans. Joining me now, Steve Forbes, Forbes Media Chairman and Editor-in-Chief, also author of a new book, Inflation, What Is It? Why Is It Bad? And How to Fix It? 
the man of the hour. Let's start from the <laughs> let's start from the bottom. How do we fix it? Golly. <laughs> uh, well, you, you you fix it. Uh, one is by having a stable value for the dollar, uh, which they did uh, following commodity prices and gold prices back in the late '80s and the '90s. Right now, they just focus on trying to manipulate the economy. They think prosperity causes inflation. So stop mucking around with the dollar. The other thing is stop mucking around with the economy and creating these bottlenecks like they did with the lockdowns or putting on these regulations, which make it more expensive to do business. You know, banks are now going to be hit with new capital requirements already, uh, what they call C&I loans, commercial industrial loans right. from banks to smaller businesses, declined last year instead of growing as you would expect in a recovery. So instead of having a booming economy, we have a limping economy. What about things like this, uh, the student loan thing? Uh, the trillions of dollars, uh, the, the COVID aid package, when COVID was no longer the uh, imminent threat, uh, household balance sheets were as strong as they'd ever been, corporate balance sheets as strong as they'd ever been. Still, the administration pushed through $1.9 trillion. There was another trillion dollars in PP, uh, PPP loans and things like that. Never returned, no accountability. When you have $3 trillion or so floating around, and then on top of that, you tell people you don't have to pay your rent, you don't have to pay your student loan, that creates sort of a groundswell of, 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 of spending. Doesn't that help explode inflation? Well, yes, because uh, inflation is when you devalue the dollar by cr usually creating too many of them. Right. And that's what they did here. How do you pay for this? You know, government spending comes from taking resources from the people, either through borrowing, taxation, or inflation, which is another form of taxation. So people are paying for it, uh, but they try to disguise it and make it sound like it's a freebie. And they also undermine the integrity of debt when they do this kind of stuff. So that's going to make lending in the future more problematical. Again, hurting businesses, hurting growth. Right. We've got this thing everyone on Wall Street's calling the maturity wall. Uh, you know, a lot of loans are coming up. A lot of real estate loans are coming up. A lot of personal loans are coming up. Delinquencies are going through the roof. People who have low interest rates are going to have to, re, you know, do the next round of borrowing is if they can borrow would be at such a, it just seems like a ticking time bomb. And yet, Steve, uh, you know, I saw in the last six months, Almost every major periodical newspaper and news outlet saying the American public was dumb, that they didn't know how good they had it. And the, and the Biden administration, that you don't understand how good you had it. Look at the data. And then when the data turns, like this week, the CPI report surges. PPI report surges. It's just, you know, it was cold in January. What the hell? It's cold every January. I, and and well, people have got to be frustrated. Country, it, it was warmer. Yeah. So, 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 so the whole th weather thing, it sounds like the communist countries, whenever they had a bad uh, crop, they'd say, oh, the weather or yeah. sabotage. Yeah. And so uh, in this case, it's evil corporations. What I'm concerned about, though, Steve, is that we keep whistling past the graveyard. Okay, inflation is rebounding. Uh, we saw it in, in the Philly Fed report. We saw it in Empire report. We saw it in CPI. We saw it in PPI. Also, consumers, house, housing starts, housing permits, retail sales. You can kind of feel it's hurting the American public. It is hurting the American public. And that's why they don't buy this idea that uh, happy times are here again. They know they're facing a storm. And even those who are doing well have no faith in the future. They don't think the economy is going to be uh, doing well in the future. And that hurts future investment. So whether it's uh, hurting bank lending, uh, people trying to... Is it too late to, to... I mean, have we crossed the Rubicon? When you started getting, you know, $34 trillion, um, uh, you know, when we started spending a trillion a year on interest on our debt, I mean, have we crossed the Rubicon when you have, really, to be quite frank with you, both political parties are very reluctant to do any kind of real austerity? That's why I think next year, in 2025, circumstances are going to force major changes, whether it's an overhaul of the tax code, 
whether it's uh, facing up on uh, Social Security, like giving younger people their own personal accounts instead of relying on Washington politicians, reining in spending. You know, they've passed all these tax credits and everything else for so-called green products. You could wipe out hundreds of billions of dollars of spending in the next 10 years by wiping out that stuff that we know from Europe does not work. The other big issue, and I've got less than a minute to go, but I've got to hit it. Uh, the election will have consequences, economic consequences. One will be taxes. Uh, you know, if Biden is reelected, we can see taxes raised big time. I mean, sky high. Well, what that means is a real recession. Uh, not prospects of one, but a real downturn, real rise in unemployment and harm to our security. Here we have an unstable world, Russia, China, Iran on the march, and we're going to be weakening ourselves, which means we're not going to devote the resources necessary to have a credible defense, as we did in the 1980s and how we won the Cold War. Right. So really bad times are coming. And I hope the candidates, the Republicans, can make that case. This is a seminal, important election. And I hope everyone can get a copy of your book. I hope you sent one to the White House, too. Steve Forbes. I did, but uh, they're slow learners. <laughs> Probably came back unread. <laughs> and coming up, the Biden administration going to war with its own DOJ over that special counsel Robert Hur's classified documents report. Kellyanne Conway will weigh in. Plus, over a year later, Joe Biden finally decides to visit the site in East Palestine where that trail, uh, train derailed. We're going to talk to Charlie Hurt and Guy Vincent when Cutlow returns. Well, the Biden administration is going to war with its own Department of Justice. This after Robert Hur's scathing report raised more questions over Joe Biden's mental fitness. Our own Hillary Vaughn is live on Capitol Hill with more. Hillary. Hi, Charles. Well, the White House tattled on special counsel Robert Hur, complaining to his boss, Attorney General Merrick Garland, that Hur stepped out of line when he mentioned the president's bad memory in his special counsel report. The White House saying this, quote, we object to the multiple denigrating statements about President Biden's memory, which violate longstanding DOJ practice and policy. But the DOJ is hitting back, defending Hur, saying this, the identified language is neither gratuitous or unduly prejudicial because it is not offered to criticize or demean the president. Rather, it's offered to explain special counsel Hur's conclusion about the president's state of mind in possess possessing and retaining classified information. Now, this is a sensitive subject for the White House, not just about the report, but how reporters are reporting on it. The White House special counsel's office spokesperson Ian Sams fired off a list of grievances to a email listserv that's used by reporters, a part of the White House correspondent association to complain about their coverage, saying it was riddled with inaccuracies and saying we all make mistakes, but warning that he wants reporters to be more careful in the future. But when it comes to mistakes and inaccuracies, the president himself made a big one when talking about this report. He alleged it was the special counsel that was the one that asked about his son, Beau Biden's death, when sources tell Fox that the president himself was the one that brought it up. Charles? Wow. Hillary Vaughn, thank you very much. Uh, for more on this, let's bring in Kellyanne Conway, former counselor to the president, President Trump, uh, also Fox News contributor and author of Here's the Deal. All right, let's touch on, on, on let's touch on this first uh, because uh, listen, that press conference following the release of this was just so it was it was heartbreaking in some ways and an embarrassment in other ways, but it also Kellyanne seemed to confirm what uh, President Biden was pushing back against. 
That's right. I'm really surprised how strongly the White House is pushing back on this entire report, because number one, Charles, this isn't coming from Mega MAGA, the Trump campaign, some right wing group, as the White House loves to say. It's all the complaints are coming from inside the House. This is Joe Biden's own Department of Justice, his own executive branch saying, and we quote, that the president is a well-meaning elderly man who lacks the mental state, the capacity to form willfulness. Why is that relevant here? Because they're saying absent that mental state and willfulness as formed, he can have the, that a jury would would not find him guilty or liable of something. Um, contrast that to what's happening to President Trump, where they raid his home, they arrest him, they take a mugshot, then they try to illegally disqualify him from two state ballots. And then for good measure, we have a Democratic judge in New York, not a jury of President Trump's peers, but just one man going ahead and laying on the scales of justice altogether. So people do see this as a two-tier justice system. They just the, and, and if I were this White House, Charles, I'd worry about all the other polling numbers that show the vast majority of Americans and a really strong number of self-identified Democrats and a majority of independents say yeah. that life with Joe Biden is less secure, less affordable and less fair. Yeah, I mean, I think it points more to Joe Biden's ego. To your point, uh, the, the, the report, the DOJ saying it was not the, the report wasn't to criticize or even demean, but just articulate uh, something that they found to be true. And. You know, listen, he doesn't have to go to go to he, I think he got the better of the deal, to be quite frank with you. But let's pick up on this breaking news you just alluded to this New York judge finding President Trump over three hundred and fifty million dollars, barring him and his kids from doing business in New York for at least three years. I, the, the numbers are staggering. It's mind boggling. First and foremost, of course, the, the, the verdict was already in. So you feel like maybe this trial was something of a, of a, a dog and pony show. And then you get this outrageous verdict. What, what do you think the public response is going to be? The public response is likely to be what it's been since last year, last March, when President Trump was first indicted in the Stormy Daniels case, something I testified to the grand jury about because I was campaign manager in 2016. Uh, and that's to create a little bit of sympathy and even some empathy for, for Mr. Trump, even President Trump, even among people who say they may not vote for him or they, they didn't vote for him before. They just feel that in our great country, the rule of law must apply evenly to everyone. You know, Charles, if this had been the first time that people have tried to get Trump, it'd be something. But it's like the 18,000th time, and people see that for what it is. Also, I think a fair number of Americans just look at it as election interference. Let the people decide. If you are disturbed by the legal cases against a President Trump, then the 91 indictments and the counts, and you're going to say, okay, maybe that bothers you, maybe it doesn't. But I was really struck by an article last month in the New York Times by Mike Bender. It said how college-educated Republicans learned to fall in love with Donald Trump again. It's a great article. And yeah, it had a little bit to do with the economy, but most of it is what you just asked. This over-prosecution has made college-educated Republicans who otherwise would give a look maybe to Nikki Haley, maybe to uh, Joe Biden. But they're saying, you know what? I just feel that everybody's telling me he's mm -hmm. bad, so I'm going to vote for him. Everybody's telling me you can't do that. It's just too much. And uh, for it to be one judge strikes a lot of people as maybe the president and his family and his organization have a good case on appeal. Yeah. Of course, a meltdown of the Fulton County uh, Attorney General didn't help either. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, thank you very, very much. I want to switch gears here, folks. President Biden finally visiting East uh, Palestine, Palestine, Ohio today. This over a year after that fiery train derailment that's, that spilled all the toxic chemicals throughout the town. Fox News' Madeline Rivera is in live right now in East Palestine uh, with more details. Madeline.
Hey, Charles, we can't see it from our vantage point, but the derailment site is behind us towards our left. President Biden is on site. He got an update from state and local officials regarding the recovery process. And then he is delivering remarks, saying that the federal government will stand with East Palestine every step of the way. The president, though, is facing a lot of criticism for the timing of his visit, coming 54 weeks after the disaster, which forced hundreds of people to evacuate their homes. The Biden administration is defending their response, pointing to a slew of federal agencies which they say deployed immediately after the accident. They're also trying to quell health concerns, saying that EPA tests show that air, soil and drinking water are safe. We check the state's homework and we firmly believe that when the state checks a municipal well source or a private well and they say that they have a green light, uh, we trust that methodology and believe that the water is safe to drink. A lot of folks, though, tell us they are still wary drinking bottled water instead of drinking tap water. They also say they'd like President Biden to declare a federal disaster, which would unlock more funds to address the ongoing needs of the community. Charles. Madeline Rivera, thank you very much. All right, let's get more on this. Bringing in Charlie Hurt, Washington Times opinion editor, Fox News contributor, Guy Benson, political editor at townhall.com, Fox News contributor, and host of the Guy Benson Show on Fox News Radio. If you have one more job title, we'd be rolling up the credits <laughs> for the show. <laughs> I golly, I mean, it's... Uh, what, Guy, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you think prompted this? Uh, it's, it's, uh, is it that, because it feels like so little, so late. Yeah, it's like at some point they said we ought to get the president there, <laughs> which is probably what they should have said day one. And here we are day almost, it feels like 400 almost at this stage. If you're going to delay and delay and delay, at least have it coincide with the one-year anniversary and say, well, I didn't want to be a distraction. I wanted to help as much as I could from Washington, but here I am to look at what this community is going through a year later. It was a year and change. There seems right. to be no strategy behind that. And when you see interviews with some of the residents in this community, they're like, we don't really want you here. What exactly are you doing here? It is way too late to pretend that you care. That the, pre so the pretending window yeah. has closed. And what, was, what makes it worse, I think, Charlie, is that every day, Kareen uh, Pierre was, was asked about this. Yeah. Every day, and, and the reply was almost belligerent. It's like, yeah. you know, how dare you? The president cares. We'll check yeah. it out. We'll did. It was like defiant. And, and, it's, and it's, it's, it follows a pattern almost yeah. of defiance first, and then at some point, maybe bowing to the polls or something else. Yeah, they were contemptuous of any uh, suggestion that he should go. They were like, right. just drink the water. Right. It'll be fine. And, of course, the EPA director was back then was saying, drink the water. It'll be fine. Um, you, you know, obviously, you know, in politics, shamelessness is a virtue. Uh, it's a it, it's your secret weapon. And you have to sort of almost give the Biden administration credit for being so shameless that they don't go out there and they wait until the election year when he needs to he needs their votes. And then he's like, you know what? I think we're going to go out there now. You have to sort of give him props for just being but that un, that shameless. I think it's Ohio. They don't expect to be terribly competitive there. Yeah. And other people have made this observation. I think it's hard to argue if this were a small community in Pennsylvania in Georgia, in Arizona, the political posture and response from the president on down from the Democratic Party would look very different. And if the demographics were different, 100%. which is which is even more disgusting, 100 percent. But it's the way these people run. Politics. That's heartbreaking. Though. I mean, that, yeah. it's heartbreaking to think that uh, one group of Americans 
would be shunned if they're not potential voters. If they if you don't think they'll vote for you, then they don't count. Yeah, yeah you're, you, if your state goes so far red that it's off the map, then we're not even going to come. And, and, and by the way, has there, ever, has there ever been any environmental disaster that politicians aren't willing to exploit for whatever purpose? Right. Well, apparently, finally, to we To look found, like leaders. You want to show up and look like a leader, and Biden decides to show up and look like a leader 54 weeks later? Whatever it's been. All right. Well, we got to talk about the uh, the breaking news uh, today, right? Then, Charlie, uh, golly, it's uh, 350. The, the numbers are so mind-boggling; it almost defies. And then, are they trying to break? Are they trying to break President Trump? I mean, it feels like, to me, it feels like ultimately, if I and I listen to the legal scholars yeah. and everyone else. Do you have a, these appeal process, processes right. that maybe he'll be vindicated in almost all of these things, uh, most of them. But the financial toll, because I've read somewhere already it's at least 50 million. I mean, is this just a sort of let's just see if we can financially gut former President Trump? Yeah, I think that that is it. I think it's also just sort of this blind rage where they can't even think rationally anymore because it's not I don't think it's actually hurting him. I, my assumption is that we will enter the appeals process and it's not going to wind up at 350 gajillion dollars right. or whatever. Right. Um, and uh, but but honestly, they're actually not only are they not like uh, helping themselves, I think they're actually hurting themselves. This sort of thing does, as Kellyanne Conway just said, I think it does engender um, a, a level of sympathy, even among especially most importantly, among independents who maybe don't like Trump. But they're they're open minded. But when they see this kind this level of ridiculousness, yeah. and then as you point out, the, with the circus going on down in Fulton County, they're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know, I, I can deal with some bad tweets. This is absurd. Yeah, you know, I, and it's as corny as it sounds. We all still kind of believe. I don't care what side of political aisle you're on, and truth, justice, in the American way, the old Superman thing, right? Yeah. And this is doesn't feel like truth, justice, in the American way, guy. Well. I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be one on television. But you hear from some of the experts, and they're saying there wasn't really a victim in this case. The banks that said there yeah, were victims. Yeah, we're all Deutsche fine. Deutsche Bank is like, hey, you know. Everyone here is fine. And New York finds a way through the attorney general who campaigned on getting Trump to get Trump through these novel uses and of the law and legal bank shots like we're seeing, for example, from Alvin Bragg in this city as well. You know, it's so interesting. So the summary... Donald Trump and entities uh, control many valuable properties, including office buildings, hotels, and golf courses. So in the beginning, when he started running for president, uh, he doesn't own anything. He's a paper billionaire. Right. Let's get those taxes out. We'll prove that he's broke. Now, no, the guy is fabulously wealthy and successful, but he stole it. <laughs> so, Charlie, they, they kind of shipped the goalposts a little bit, but they, they, had to, they had to admit that at least he was successful. Yeah, again, the shamelessness comes in here, too. If you're willing to switch, you know, go 180 degrees in your attacks, uh, that's an advantage for these people. But it is interesting the degree to which, uh, and, and this is the most important thing, which is, when you undermine people's faith in the justice system, right. just the way Democrats work to undermine people's faith in public health officials yeah. during COVID, you don't get that credibility back. And that's a bad thing. Which is awful because uh, faith in all of our institutions has gone down yeah. the drain big time. Guy, Charlie, thank you both very Great much. Appreciate it. All right, folks, uh, make sure you catch Charlie tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, when he guest hosts The Bottom Line with Dagan McDowell right here on Fox Business. Coming up. Illinois is giving $250 million in taxpayer money to illegal migrants on top of the $600 million they've already spent. This is despite all the lawlessness, homelessness that's plaguing that city. We'll talk to Fox News contributor Gianna Caldwell next.
All right, folks, so Illinois has mapped out plans to invest over $250 million into its worsening migrant crisis. This after already spending over $600 million in, well, of course, this money coming straight out of taxpayers' pockets. Joining me now, Gianno Caldwell, Fox News political analyst. Gianno, uh, Gianno this is just... Thank you for having me. Hey, this is so mind-boggling, and i got to tell you something. Every day I am seeing on social media... Residents of Chicago, primarily black residents of Chicago, completely outraged, outraged at all the things that have been taken from them under austerity. We've run out of money and all of the things being given to illegal migrants. It's mind boggling. And the reason why, Charles, and I've been involved in politics in Chicago since I was 14 years old. So every year, election year, you will hear the elected officials come into our communities and say, you know what? We don't have the resources to do this, that, or the third. In Illinois, in and of itself, you got 450,000 people who live in poverty in Illinois. Almost 55 schools in Illinois, and rather, I should say 450,000 in Chicago that live in poverty. But in Illinois, you have almost 55 schools where kids, not one single student can do math at their grade level. This is outrageous. Where is this money going? You've already spent over $500 million, $500 million on, on the migrants. You're bringing them in. You're paying their rent. You're giving them universal income. You're really laying out the red carpet. But the black folks that are there, you are systematically disenfranchising every single day, Charles. People are outraged, and they're saying that they're going to vote for Republicans, which may put Illinois in play for the presidential election. You know, it's just I, I, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling that uh, they, the Democrats have gotten away with this decade after decade after decade. Uh, I looked at some Chicago stats that recently, the unemployment rate, the, the overall quality in life, Gianno, is just so heartbreaking. Uh, the other thing, what happened, though, I mean, we're talking about voting, and Chicago went from someone I thought, I thought the pendulum would shift. I thought the last mayor was the uh, inflection point. There was no way you can go further left and further, you know, but they went, it got worse. How could you get worse? And, and people are much more upset, seemingly, at Brandon Johnson than they are at Lori Lightfoot. I don't know how they were able to poison the well on Paul Vallis to say that he was some conservative, but he would have been the best person to run the city. We wouldn't have the migrant situation that we have. Crime would be tampered down. Brandon Johnson has absolutely, without question, failed the citizens of Chicago, and he failed them right after he got into public office. You know, I'm reminded of something that Trump said in 2016 that people were outraged about. He said, you know, your schools are failing. You're losing money. You don't have jobs. What do you have to lose by voting for something much different? What do you have to lose for voting for conservatives? And we're seeing right now what we're losing in the city of Chicago, in the state of uh, Illinois, and across the country. We are at a point where politics is uh, the lifeblood for so many people, and they're able to see right up front what voting uh, policy decisions come out of them voting for a particular party. We're seeing that very clear, and I don't think we've ever seen that in this country. People usually say, ah, I'll vote for whoever, like nothing's going to change my life. But yeah, you're seeing actual ramifications from your decisions to vote for a particular party, yeah. and especially somebody like Brandon Johnson. You know, it's amazing to me, uh, you know, uh, when, when people believe that they owe a political party their vote, uh, I hope people start changing their minds because you're, they're getting the shaft. Gianno, thank you very much. Uh, folks, more Cutlow next. Stay with us.
Well, that's all for this special edition of Cut Low. I'm Charles Payne, and thank you very much for watching. And remember, have a wonderful President's Day weekend. But first, Elizabeth McDonald is up next. Is that you, Charles, sitting there? I know. It's like good, good to see you. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.